Hallelujah, Abba. Our life is in your hand. Our life is in your hand. Jehovah Shammah, we ask that your personal presence will continue to manifest. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. I'm so dependent on you, Holy Spirit, my paraclete, my helper. Thank you for helping me um, to step outside of myself and into yourself. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Um, I'm blessed to be here, um, Pastor Katani, and the congregation uh, to be in the Lord's service. I appreciate that song because we are totally at the mercy of God this morning. I spent, I'm going to confess, I spent so much time having a blast in the presence of the Lord, I didn't get a chance to properly craft a message. And the message that I did have, it seems like my notes kept disappearing. I couldn't find them. And then it dawned on me that, again, the Lord is not giving you authority to give a message, but to give a conversation. That's not what I hired you for, son. I've hired you to tell my people what I'm saying, but also to tell them what you're seeing. Thank you, Lord. Mm -mm -mm. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I, I want to honor our, our late apostle, Pastor Felix Gilbert, who was a big brother to me. Amen. For many of you, he was pastor. For me, he was my apostle. He was the sent one. Everything that we would seek <laughs> to do, we would always go to get his blessings. I work in higher ed, so I often would bring him, the cosmopolitan man who spoke multiple languages, to come and speak to our students. Um, but he was a blessing to me. Now, we didn't like hang out and socialize and go to parties and stuff like that, but we were there for each other. And I thank God for the, just the impartation that he brought to uh, my life. And, um, and when he um, transitioned, <laughs> I would read people on Facebook expressing that like Pastor Felix was their personal best friend in life. And even a couple of people that I introduced to him, they didn't even know him that long. He was their best friend, they expressed. That was a gift that he had. <laughs> Whew, thank you, Lord. My, um, my mother and I passed this year. And um, she transitioned to, to go be with the Lord. And um, Pastor Felix called me to comfort me. And I was excited and just sharing the tribute of her life because my mother lived to be 94 years old. Yes, she was, she lived 94 years. She was the only child. And uh, my mother tells a story about when she was eight years old, 
she was in a car accident with her grandmother and her mother and everybody in the car got injured except her. And I said, you know why? Because you had to live to have me. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, I, yeah. And I was a car carrying mama's boy and I, and I confess it. I lived the privileges to testify of it. My mother loved me. And um, Pastor Felix um, called and comforted me. And uh, about seven days later, after my mother had transitioned and I was still going through mourning, I got an email from one of my students and they said to me, um, um, condolences, you know, on your pastor passing. And I sent an email back to the students. I, I said, you mean my mother? And, you know, and I gave this elaborate testimony about my mom. And then I went home and my daughter came out of her room and said, Dad, did you know? Did you, did you read? Did I know? Did I read what? That Pastor Felix passed. I said, girl, that's, you know, that ain't true. That's garbage. Who put that out? It was just really unreal to me. You know, my mother and Pastor Felix. And I remember saying, Mom, meet Pastor Felix. Pastor Felix, meet Mom because I know certainly both of them are in heaven. Okay. There's a meaning behind this. Um, my book, Hearing God's Voice, is going to be like a, a, a guess, like an instrument of my conversation with you today um, because of what God wants me to share with the family about us realizing uh, the state of transition that we are in. Okay, and um, and I was so excited. I celebrated my mother's legacy. I I even embraced that Pastor Felix passing wasn't a theft. It was God's timing. That was a heavy word. It wasn't a theft, but it was just God's timing. And. And that was a pill that I had to swallow. But truth is truth. And, um, and in the middle of the truth, some of um, my colleagues um, in the region would call to comfort me about my mother and then the loss of your apostle. I know what he meant to you. And then they would somewhere in the conversation get to, now who's going to run that place now? And I impulsively said, the same person that was running it when Pastor Felix was alive. God. And, and I, I was starting to get mad after second or third call. I was hoping that God would give me the grace not to start doing some Christian cussing. Oh, there's some Christian words. Like the ones in the Bible, like ass. You can say that. Hell, you know. <laughs> and, and the Lord said to, to me, son, don't judge. It's not in their heart. It's in their head. He said, don't judge. 
It's not in their hearts. It's in their heads. And there are some sons and some daughters who in mourning are away from the house because, not because of what's in their heart, but because of what's in their head. See, some of them don't think a woman could do it. <laughs> well, there was a time when some people thought a black person couldn't do it. Remember Cain? So there would be things in people's hearts, hearts, pure hearts, but in their minds, they can't conceive it. And I just want to share some things that God spoke to me that we should, we have to get past the reality that our Joshua wears a dress. And in the kingdom, and see, this is what happens when we have these kind of struggles on our head, when we put God in a box called religion. Oh, yeah, we do that. And by the way, this message I'm going to preach, it's going to be dangerous for your religion. You know, the way you think in terms of putting ritual above relationship with God. And so the Lord said, tell my people, your Joshua wears a dress. And in many ways, she is more equipped for the promised land than our Moses was. Because in the transition, what you ate in the land that we walked around in. Are you all with me? That land that we walked around and we experienced signs and wonders and working of miracles in that land. Because what, I don't know, you theologians tell me, how, how, how long, how fast could they have left Egypt to get into the promised land if they went straight there? How many days? Somebody said, how many days? Somebody said seven days. It was a very short walk. 11 days. Somebody said it was an 11-day walk. But for 40 years... They had to keep recycling and recycling and recycling a process. Now, our, our Moses, who's gone on to be with the Lord, was an apostle, even though he wouldn't carry that name. And a big part of the apostle's job is to change the way people think, to lead them to repentance. And so there is a process of changing people's thought life. But prophets, everybody say prophets, they focus less on the mind and more on changing the heart. Are y'all with me? And so as we are transitioning, we have to become aware um, that our Joshua wears a dress and has a different wineskin and a different anointing than our honored Moses. Tell your neighbor, our Joshua, where's a dress? It's not what's in our heart. It's what's in our minds. The Lord said, son, tell my people about Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. They were dance partners. 
But Fred Astaire was more known, more honored for his moves than Ginger was. And Fred Astaire would tell people between us, Ginger is the better dancer. She does every dance that I do, except she does it backwards and in six-inch heels. So for God, male, female, Greek, Jew, it doesn't matter to him as long as he is in command. See, Joe, Moses sought for supernatural and diplomatic solutions. He didn't want the people to go into battle because they were slaves for 400 years. They didn't know about no fighting. They didn't know how to use a weapon. But Josh was like, I want a supernatural solution, but give me my weapon. He had to go in and confront. The approach that Joshua had to use had to be a totally different wineskin than Moses. Moses would be with the Lord as much time as he was with the Lord. When Moses left the Lord, there was somebody that stayed behind. His name was Joshua. Tell your neighbor, I, Joshua, wears a dress. It's not what's in the heart, pure heart, you're loved. But what's in the head is troubling. Thank you, Lord. So the way a, a prophet will approach the work. And I, I felt like the, the Lord said that there are things that we need to do to support our Joshua and the wineskin that God has given her to take the people across because the dietary practice is going to change. When they were in the wilderness, they ate manna for 40 years. Breakfast manna, lunch manna, dinner manna. And they didn't know how to go search and hunt down breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it was provided for them. A different kind of instinct is going to have to be employed. Gender did the same moves as Fred Astaire, but she had to do it backwards in six-inch heels. That hurt. One of the things that we have to do in the house, Pastor K, because of your prophetic mantle, a base skill must be that every member of this body knows how to tap into the mind of God. That a base skill is that the congregation is a congregation of people that hear the voice of the Lord. They hear God speaking to them and they hear or they discern God thinking to them. Me and my writing partner, we wrote this book, Hearing God's Voice, which is like a cobble of conversations um, between two prophets about things that are more caught than they are taught about hearing the voice of God. And we um, really don't like using that word, hearing the voice of God. We prefer using discerning the voice of God because some of us, God is not speaking words to us. 
Some of us, God is conveying thought to us. You, you know how it happens. You were on your way home. You were dead tired. And something, who was really the Holy Spirit, kept telling you, go get that milk. Go get that milk. And then you get home and you realize, man, the children are not going to have any milk for breakfast. And I can't make that cake that I was supposed to take to work. God is going to begin to accelerate the hearing and the discerning in the members of this body. Because our Joshua is more of a prophetic pastor than an apostolic pastor. The Lord told me that if the body will come into adapting this skill set of discerning the voice of God and tapping into the thoughts of God, that he will open up a portal in this house. And this house will be known across the land as the Azusa Street in Colorado. This will be a landing place if we would come to prayer and consecration with our circumcised hearts. Are you all with me? If we prize prayer as we prize a message, a message that most of us forget 50% by the time we hit the door on Sunday morning. God is going to raise up a congregation that is going to be intimate with him. And they're going to, we're going to be intimate with him because we're going to know his name. Now, you know, when, when, when me and Millie got married, you know, one of us was a virgin and one of us had like zero little experience with the marriage bed. And our code word for that act of marriage was called bike riding. Are you all with me? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and when we were on our honeymoon bike riding, <laughs> in a state of ecstasy, somebody called my name. And I said, oh, oh, my God, did you call my name? I was like, here are my credit cards, here are my car, everything that I ever own, everything, baby, that I, have, I ever will know, it's yours. She knew my name while we were bike riding. <gasps> you know, the Song of Solomon was put there for a reason. He, Jesus is our groom, but we're the bride. And if we call on his name in a state of ecstasy, you got to know his name first. And I'm not talking about his surname, his personal name. Jehovah Sikhanu, the Lord, my righteousness. Jehovah Shammah, <laughs> the Lord that is there. If you can call on his name, if you know his name. The Lord said this house is going to know an expression of loving him that they've never known before. You've known how to love me from the left brain. But the Lord is saying, baby, I'm taking you to my right brain. You're going to say all kinds of names. This is my nickname. Names that the world do not know. You're going to know me as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that healeth me. <laughs> You're going to know me as Jehovah Mekedish, the Lord that sanctifies thee. 
This is important because the changes of love will change you. Love will change you. When you walk in love with someone, when you ride a bike with someone, whatever's in them comes inside of you. You know how it was in the world. You found a bike rider and they smoke and you started smoking. You had a co-bike rider and they cussed and so you cussed. When you come into intimacy, what is in their nature becomes your nature. That's why nobody, if you have a license or not, it's called the act of marriage. Father's looking for a people that will ride the bike with him. They that know him, they shall be strong. They'll have strength. Thank you, Lord. Come on home, son. Come on home, daughter. Papa's, we mourn from him, but mama is here waiting for you. Your Deborah is here waiting for you. Deborah, to be what she was in her culture was a social impossibility. A woman was viewed as property, a lesser than. But for that woman to stand up in her calling in that hour, it was incredibly an impossibility socially. But the scripture says that the people continue to cease. They were dying off until Deborah stood up as a mother. Will you stand up, Pastor Kay, in the calling that God has assigned to your life? There isn't a girl pastor gift, and there isn't a male pastor gift. The women didn't go around and get butch because uh, Pastor Felix had valor. The men are going to get infeminate because you have femininity. You have freedom to be the vessel God has called you to be in his grace. Tell your neighbor, it's not, it's not in my heart, but I've struggled in my head. This is this, the part of the circumcision that we're going to have to pull away because we're shifting from the natural to the supernatural. Okay, I'm going to say that again. We're shifting from natural to supernatural. That's why you can't stay fat no more. No, God's going to deal with your sugar. I'll be fighting God in my sugar now. But there are some ways that you've been living your life naturally that God is going to call you into repentance that you can overcome supernaturally. Some of us giving up like sugar is like giving up crack cocaine. I struggled with it. You know, I um, found out I was allergic to yellow number five. It's a, a dye that's in like food. They put in food preservative. God didn't put it in. Man put it in there. And when they told me I had sugar diabetes, they, uh, not sugar diabetes, they told me when I had um, 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 yellow number five, they gave me the, med the medicine. And you know what I did? I grabbed my medicine and I took my medicine and I grabbed my Captain Crunch and I ate my Captain Crunch. My heart told me to take that medicine, but my Captain Crunch, you're not going to take that Captain Crunch from me. No, you're not. 
And some of you, you've been hugging up with debt like it's your long lost lover. You just keep going back to it. Don't matter how much it stops you from being and doing and having what God has ordained for you. Some of you will not take on the discipline of your profession. You're just good. You're just glad to be just good enough. You don't want to be exceptional to the glory of God. God is saying he's moving us from natural thinking to supernatural thinking. I'm sorry, Pastor Kay, I don't have a message. <laughs> but I don't want to be offering up no strange fire. I can get a six points. I'm an educated man, okay? I can pull together some concepts. But what is God saying? God is saying, your Joshua wears a dress. You know, the oldest leading monarch in the planet Earth is not a man. It's a woman. Her name is Queen Elizabeth. of the UK. And you know, she is the head apostle of the Church of England. Did you guys know that? Yes, she picks the bishops. <laughs> God wants you to understand that he doesn't have a problem with you being a woman. He made you that way. Let's, let's go to Luke. Let's go to Luke. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Luke E, I believe it's the 11th chapter is where we want to go. Let me, let me double check. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Luke 11. Um, verse 31, it says the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. This had to mess with the minds of those Pharisees and those Sadducees that a woman is going to judge me. But this was Jesus' way of validating that he acknowledged that women can rule in leadership. The queen of the sharp was the queen of Ethiopia. She ruled, and, uh, and, and clearly her, um, her, her government was in such order that she can go leave her government for years and go have a baby with Solomon. And still rule. When you read the passage about the Proverb 31 woman, she protected her husband's legacy and she fed her children and she had to go out and do business to sustain the family. Remember Ginger Rogers? <laughs> she did everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards in six inch heels. 
And there were things that she saw on the landscape that Fred Astaire never saw. And as we're shifting from the land that we walked, when I was here last time and I talked and, and I taught about the resiliency of purpose, we didn't really know what God was saying to. And I'm saying this because a lot of stuff that I say up here is way past my head. I don't really have a context for it. And it's good because then some, I will be reluctant to say stuff. And the, one of the words the Lord said that he was reaching back into the history of this ministry and pulling out a rib. Do you remember that? Got a different context now, don't we? What God is speaking to this house is essential. Are you all with me? That we allow God to bring us in to the shift. Because the people that get left in the land, that's not the land that's promised, they die. But those that are graced to cross over with the Joshua that wears a dress, you're going to come into possession of things that you were called to own, but you've never owned. It's going to require a circumcised heart. Some of the technologies um, that we need to develop in the house to build a base skill that the body is not man-dependent. But word of God, word of God, dependent, is that the average member of this body have, must have the skills of hearing God's voice and, and tapping into God's thoughts. George Washington Carver went to God and said, God, will you show me as a scientist the mysteries of the world? And he said, God said to him, your brain cannot handle the mysteries of the world. But I showed you some things about a peanut. And I don't know, was it 55 inventions that he came up with the peanut? It, he single-handedly saved the South's economy because the South had been planting cotton all, that, all those years. And it had tore up the territory, the land, so they couldn't produce. And God gave him the invention of planting peanuts, and it restored the soil. And all kinds of inventions was created out of that. Um, he was called. He was called to the um, to the the U.S. Capitol to pre present um, an idea about preserving food. One of the reasons why our soldiers was able to win was that World War II. The reason they were able to um, win um, um, that war was because they didn't starve like the army, the other, the counter army did. Because uh, George Washington Carver had gotten an idea from God about how to process dried food, how to dry food and let it come back to life through some water. One of the things God is showing me that there is a movement of social entrepreneurship that's going to raise up out of this house. That there's going to be a company of people who, are, who will come up with economic models and strategies that lead to social good. Social entrepreneurs. And we got to have a school to train them. We got to have a school to train them from concept to, um, to, um, to manifesting. We need to actually have a, a business center where they can be freed up um, with their accounting and they can be freed up with their marketing that we already have teams that free them up to move in the realm of their gifts. God is saying, come on home, sons. 
Come on, come on home, daughters. If you bring your economic strength to my house, I will bring my prosperity, my commonwealth prosperity to you. You've heard of prosperity preachers where in this house, God's going to raise up commonwealth prosperity preachers. Not one preaching about how you individually can just manifest wealth, but how do you manifest wealth that all the body is able to tap into so that we together can have the power to create wealth, to establish God's covenant here on this earth. We talk, <laughs> we talk in our book about... Um, about the channels. There are three common ways, and write this down, three common ways in which God is going to communicate to you. One of them is going to be with words. The second one is with imagery. And the third way God commonly speaks to you is through a heartfelt feeling. You have a feeling about something, have you ever walked in a room and you could feel people were talking about you, but even you didn't hear a word they said? You just had a feeling. God is going to cause us to excel in these communication operations. But in our book, we talk about, well, what, you know, these are the three ways. What are the channels? What's, what's the channels? This is going to be very important because the city needs to be rescued by people that are solutionists. How many of you want to sign up for the job? I don't see one person raise their hand. <laughs> God's looking for a people that will be the Joshua's, that will go in and fight the giants that's in the land and come up with solutions to possess all that God had ordained for them. So I need correction. I was just getting a time management <laughs> signal, but you told me to go on, okay. This is very important that we get exposed to the sperma of God's word. When God speaks things to you, when your heart is open and when you're bike riding with God and your heart is open, you'll get pregnant with things. You'll get pregnant with thought. You'll get pregnant with like imagery of something that you saw. And this house cannot be a house of restoration without being a house of prayer and a house of fasting. Oh, they clapped on one part, but the other part, I understand. You know, I was in Korea, and um, I was in the prayer mountain. You know, Dr. Yungi Cho was the shepherd over Yungi Do, Do um, for Gospel Church. And they, had, they owned a mountain, and they had a million members in their congregation, literally. You know how people stretch numbers? They had more than a million, but they literally had millions. Uh, it was so many people, so in order to get to your seat, it was like hundreds of people would run with a sign to take them to get in the seat. It was a bunch of people. And we were um, in the prayer mountain, and we were praying, and, um, and um, the, uh, um, Dr. Cho's um, vision partner was his mother-in-law, Dr. Um, Chow. And, um, and she had a word of the Lord, and she came to me and said, the word of the Lord is coming to you, that God's going to use you mightily, my son, uh, and God's going to use you in fasting. And she reached over and asked Dr. Cho to come lay hands on me for fasting. I was like, the prayer part, I take that fasting part, I don't know about that. Because think about it, in my head, I was raised by a southerner. 
When somebody fed you, they, that meant they loved you. If you go to a southerner's house and they don't offer you anything to drink or food, that means they don't like you. I psychologically can't do it. If you come to my house and I say, take something or I'm going to be offended. So I was drained in this whole thing. Food means I love you. Not eating means I don't love you. Is God mad at me? You know, what did I do that he would tell me to fast? I didn't know that there were things in my life that was going to be tied to fasting. One time the Lord said to me, look, son, I want you. And see, God will work with you right where you are. And the Lord, the Lord said, look, son, I want you um, to go on a, a three-week fast. But I want you to only drink water and watermelon. I was like, watermelon? If you know anything personally about me, I have like at least two watermelons a week, okay, in my house. Literally. And so, me too. I mean, in the wintertime too, okay? And I was like, okay, I could get with that watermelon. And I would go to work. I would go to early morning prayer. Then I would go to work. And then from work, I would come home and I would labor for the Lord. No meal. I would just drink water and eat watermelon. And in this season I was in, it created a heightened sensitivity to the things that were prophetic, and while I was in that state, I was laying before the Lord. And, and I was seeking the Lord, and I wanted to know him. I wanted to be a part of him. And I got an image of this beautiful woman. And I said, devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I'm seeking Jesus, and you putting that pretty woman in my face. And I went on. I continued to seek the Lord and seek the Lord. And then after a while, that picture of that woman came back to me again. I said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I resist this tempting me with this beautiful woman. I resisted in the name of Jesus. And then the third time the Lord showed me the woman's picture, I realized by this time it was the Lord. And the Lord said, do you want her or not? And the woman was my wife, Millie. That's how I knew she was my bride. But I had to hold on to that vision for a year and a half. You know why? She was telling me to read the hand. She was like, yeah, I got friends. Yeah, right. Read the hand. See, there are going to be things that God's going to show you, reveal to you, speak to you, or give to you as thoughts that are contrary to your current situation. And the only basis for believing it is that you know it's what God said. And God said, this house will not just be a house of restoration. It's going to be a house of prayer and fasting. And so I want to walk you in that direction as God walked me. God gave me a fascination about the prophetess Anna. And I'm going to get to the close. Um, the prophetess Anna. Um, and that from all these years after her husband died, she stayed in the temple fasting every day. I'm like, God, that has to be a lie. How could she not eat every day? And the Lord said, yeah, she, she fasted in a way that I'm going to teach you to fast. Now, I fast 40 days. I fast 21 days. I fast 10 days. But my base realm or belt weight for fasting is one digestive cycle. And so when I teach people to pray and fast, I say, this is where you start. You pick one digestive cycle a day, a week. That's where you get started. And this is a digestive cycle. It's eight hours. 
And the reason why it's going to be eight hours of fasting, the medical people tell us that it takes your body about eight hours to reach a fasted state. And when you reach a fasted state, you militarize your body. And the blood in your system begins to cry out to God, like um, Abel's blood cried out to God when Cain slew him. And so God said, sir, I'm going to walk you in this. I know you have struggled with sugar. I'm going to deal with that. I know you have struggles with overeating. But the Lord said, son, make a covenant with me. Fast three digestive cycles a week, and I'm going to open up the heavens for you. I'm going to move you into a level of supernatural that is your norm, not your extra. Isaiah 58 says, when we fast with a pure heart like this, God will break the bands of wickedness. Daniel teaches us that when we um, walk in this fasted state of being, it accelerates our intellect. Remember when Daniel and the Hebrew boys who fasted and abstained, they had wisdom that was 10 times that of their peers. Y'all really quiet in this house. Am I scaring anybody? <laughs> the Lord said, walk in this. You know, if you fast three digestive cycles a week, are you all with me? You will be fasting 52 days a year. If you do it every year, that's 10%. Is that 10% of your year? Where you now are not just sacrificing food to attain something spiritual. You're worshiping God with time. God, you gave me time. Now I'm giving time back to you. God's looking for people that's willing to go bike riding with him. Man, when that girl called my name, I went without food. I didn't need to eat. I didn't even need to eat. She called my name. I was walking around. Man, I was like, wow. She called. God's looking for a people that is going to call his name. You can't call his name if you don't know his name. I don't even know how old I was when I knew that my mother and father had a, like a real name. They were mom and dad. You know how sacred your mother and your father's first name is? Most of us, we know not to speak to our, call our parents by their first names. But God is calling you in. Songs of Solomon says, who is she coming out of the wilderness, leaning on her lover? It's the bride of Christ. It's the bride in combat boots. She's intimate with the groom, but she is also a military officer, anointed to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over the power, all, all the power of the enemy. And so God is challenging us to be a people of prayer, but also a people of fasting. This is going to change the atmosphere. This is what, if we do this as a body, this is going to open up the, uh, the portal, and we're going to come to a level of repentance that we can only call but holiness. A state where we're in harmony with God. We need to come into vision of 12. Jesus had his 12 and changed the world. As we're fasting and praying, we're asking God to reveal to us who are the 12, where to reach. This is the business of the kingdom. We are bringing heaven to earth 
and we're taking over the territory, one person at a time. We can do this. In the lobby, we have copies of this book. I'm encouraging all your, your leaders to get a copy of this. There's a course we have on the Holy Spirit. And any of you that are interested in this course, we give this course out free from our devotional Bible college. It's not on Voice of Destiny's Bible College where you, come, where you go to be T.D. Jakes. It's where you go to know God. And so we have about 88 courses that we give people. And, and I want you guys to begin to be acquainted with the Holy Spirit from your left side of your brain to your right side of your brain. Because something epic is about to happen in this house. We are going to be acquainted not only with the Holy Spirit in this house, but we're going to be acquainted with ministering angels who are agencies that God has created to minister to those of us that are heirs of this great salvation. We are not working alone. But when you are not prayed up, when you're not fasted up, your sensitivity to your collaborators, your angels, are just null. You don't even know that you got help. There's a word God wants me to remind you, Pastor K, and that is um, about 12 years ago, the Lord had told me to share with Pastor Phyllis, there's going to be this, um, somebody's going to give you and your ministry a million dollars. And... Um, and, um, and Pastor Felix told me that somebody donated like land or something that was worth a million dollars after that word had come to pass. And then the Lord had doubled up and says, no, go back and tell him now that as he did that, he, he needs to be aware. She needs to be aware uh, that I'm going to transfer a hundred million dollars to this ministry's account. And God is saying, it's time for you to cultivate a hundred million dollar vision for the house. And that's 100 million a year. That's what God's moving you. That's the target God's giving you. So what happened <laughs> with that $8,000? It was just a bump. Know this, there are those that God's bringing in this house, that'll be their tithe every week, $8,000. Because they are connecting themselves with the economy of this house. There are many of us, our economy is tied to the economy of this house. I've seen people transform their generations because they connected with the house vision and its economy. And this, uh, this is a vision not just to build physical buildings, but to build spiritual building called people. Your investment is going to be very well used by the hand that's of the Lord. God bless you.